590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Matt Chapman, guess what? He thinks $100 million is is bigger is a bigger number than $20 million. Okay. I was wondering, I'm like, is that how much major league qualifying offers are now? I was getting <laughs> no. scared. No. You can tell me baseball money is anything, and yeah. for at least three seconds, I believe it. Uh, like, Matt Chapman's going to get $60 million next year. I said, mm, boy, that sounds like a lot. No, but he's going to get 60 23, over $25 million yeah. for four years yeah. or five. Like, yeah, it is pretty crazy that Matt Chapman, considering what he was the final five months of the season, being as awful as he was, is going to get $100 million uh, in free agency. Just quickly on that, they better never let Austin Matthews take BP at Rogers Center again, or he's just going <laughs> to switch. He's going to be like, I could, I could suck at this. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, nothing Chapman's terrible, but you understand what I mean. It's like he could go. It's like think about what he'd have to be as yeah. a baseball player to make the thirteen four or whatever, or thirteen or whatever it is that he's mm, he's going to make versus I mean, what he is as a hockey he'd player. Have to be I'm a middle reliever, yeah. Uh, but anyways, Matt Chapman <laughs> said thanks for the qualifying offer, but no thanks. I'll take the bigger money to go somewhere else, <clears throat> New York, be a Yankee. I think that's where he's headed. You think that's happening? Uh, I guess. I mean, you just look. Here's the thing: there are reasonable arms out there to mm-hmm. be had in free agency. Um, you you can remake a starting staff with some of the, the, the Blake Snells of the world. Like there are some real, real yep. prizes out there among the starting pitching free agent market. Mm-hmm. That's not so much. Like no. Matt Chapman, as diminished a version as he was offensively this past season, he's the second best available free agent out there, like behind Shohei Otani, I, I, it, there's an argument to be made. What happened to Major League Baseball? Like, I know, like you said, Shohei Otani, that's a pretty sexy name, but I feel yeah, like for sexy. years there were like five. Like, it felt like it was like Machado, and I guess yeah, those that's the guys one that's got, jumping. Yeah, yeah those right. guys got, got signed. Jillian years. It's just a bad, yeah, it's a bad year. And, you know, we've had recent years where Corey Seager and Marcus Semien are blowing up the, the free agent market. It's just, it's a bad year. It's a down year to need a bat in free agency. Mm-hmm. Exactly what the Blue Jays need. Yeah, I was going to say, what are <laughs> so, they looking for? Here's what they don't need. Arms. Yeah. Here's what's available in free agency. Arms. Arms. Here's what they need. Bats. Here's what's not available in free agency. Bats. Yeah, the other problem with that, too, is that it's like if you're trying to sell the thing that's available in mm-hmm. free agency mm-hmm. as well, it's like teams could just go buy it instead yeah. of giving you something for it. That's the other problem. It's it's a rough one, for sure. It's still a great spot to be in. You, you can never have too much pitching. I get it. I get it. I get it. But, yeah. Can you have too much hitting? People always say that about pitching. Like hitting, I suppose, if you have just like 13 guys who are rolling and you can't get them all in the lineup. But it is weird. Like we always say that about pitching. Like, I can never have enough arms. And it's, oh, is six enough good bats? That's Mm. enough? You don't want more than that? I think it's more that pitchers get get injured Injured a lot, right? Like, although the Blue Jays... Well, one had an incredible run of no, health. No, surely with, that will hold into 2024. Like, we I, talk about regression I, all the time. I agree that there's... It's unlikely that they're going to go through a whole 162-game season needing, what, like six starters again? Yeah, um, like five and a half, basically. E, but part of the reason they acquired some of the dudes they have in this rotation is because of their durability. They yep. signed Jose Barrios to a seven-year extension Big because yep. that guy pitches every five days. Takes now, all, two all years ago... It wasn't so great every five days. Mm. Last year it was good every five days, but that's that's for four innings. No, okay, that's mean. That's mean. <laughs> and oh, it's that's exactly correct in the postseason. Anyway, so Matt Chapman, fairly well, not coming back to the Blue Jays, despite the fact that yeah, there are reports that they're still engaging on him. Uh, they're not gonna. Boy, you would hope they're they're not gonna pay the price for what it's gonna cost to bring Matt Chapman. Oh my back. God, could you imagine? 
And maybe that's what Jeff Passan is alluding to. It's a big Matt Chapman <laughs> reunion. Oh, quickly, quickly, just pause on that for a second. We have made the splashy move. Oh, my God. Certainly the Blue Jays are different. DeMarlo Hale is here and Matt Chapman is back. I don't know that that's... Oh, and we got a new OC yeah, who but, was also here last year. Yeah, but he's an OC now. No, that can't be it. When <laughs> Jeff Passan writes that the Toronto Blue Jays set a source with knowledge of the plans, quote, want to do something big this winter. Uh, Otani fits, especially with Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. due to hit free agency after the 2025 season. Sure. And and do I doubt that the Blue Jays are going to make a, a, an actual legitimate offer to Shohei Otani? No, probably. They yeah. probably are because despite the fact that they're paying into the luxury tax or did for the first time ever and, and it's a team that only won 89 mm-hmm. games and... Uh, yada, 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 yada. There's so much off-field earning potential in Shohei Otani. You can make the financial argument. I'm sure that it, yeah, paying $50 million a year over a 10 years yeah. for, for Shohei Otani, even if he only plays half the games over that span, the the number of jerseys you're going to sell, the number mm-hmm. of, of Japanese rights fees that you're going to get mm-hmm. off your baseball games, the Japanese advertisements that you're going to be able to sell on your outfield walls. Yeah, maybe there is a, a Shohei Otani um, decision that makes sense even outside of the baseball side of things. But if it's not him, mm-hmm. what is something big? Because I just said it. Like, there is no big free agent splash that this team is going to make. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, Tim Anderson, what a well, – that's something big. Like, the guy was barely a major league right. player this past season. Bring him back, Matt Chapman. That's not something big. Yeah. I guess you could argue that – Signing a Blake Snell would be something big, but does that make sense for a team that already has a Kevin Gossman, already has a ready-made rotation if Alec Manoa is a major leaguer next year? The only thing outside, if 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 it's something big no matter what, or if it's only something big if it's Shohei Otani, then this is irrelevant. If it's just something big mm-hmm. and it's not Shohei Otani, it's a trade. So naturally, the brain goes to the biggest trade pieces available. Yep. And in the same piece, Jeff Passan outlines the Juan Soto being the only mm-hmm. guy that makes sense for the, the Padres to cast overboard if they don't want to be taking $50 million loans to pay their players anymore next year. That makes sense. What's headed out the door in that scenario? I've done this a, yeah. a million times, the Vlad Jr. trade scenario. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's not it, but I'm telling you, if it's something big, if this Blue Jays front office and ownership wants to do something big this offseason and it's not Shohei Otani, there's only one other thing it could be, and that's trade. And there's only one massive piece that you can trade away that's of major league caliber that could get something huge in return, and it's Vlad Jr. I mean, Bo, would he not? I Sure, but I, I think if you're banking on... I don't I, think... I, uh, no, no, no. Don't take, I, don't take that question to be, I think they should trade Bo instead sure. of Vladdy. No, don't no, no. take that. No, you're right. I suppose if they wanted to trade Bo, that would obviously garner a bigger return. And yeah, they could probably get a decent return on Alec Manoa, but how uh, how decent? Like, like, aren't you... Don't you need to be convinced that he's at least major league caliber again? I would just say that here's... My thinking on this yep. subject no, is no, that totally. they're not going to sign both Bo and Vlad to long-term mm-hmm. deals beyond their years of team control. And if you're choosing one, it's clearly the guy that has proven to be at least an adequate defender at a premium position and has been the model of consistency offensively. Mm-hmm. 
when you look at the whole season of work, like I know two seasons ago, the first half was lousy. It didn't matter. He was the hottest hitter in baseball by the end. And yep. the numbers were like almost identical year over year over year. So yeah, I, sure. Could they trade Bo? I think Vlad is the guy that makes most sense, but it, it just feels like if they're going to do something big, it's a trade and it's not free agency. Do you think there's a scenario where they explore? Cause I agree with you. Obviously that is the most logical route for there to be something big. The idea of a Manoa trade feels downright terrifying. I mean, yes, there's the chance you sell on the last glimpse of him as a, as a highly coveted asset, but it feels more likely than not to me that that's a player who refines his form at whatever the next stop is and has the revenge season for all revenge seasons. I, I'm just out on the idea of that, quite frankly, yeah. unless you're getting mm-hmm. kind of peak return from right. Manoa, which obviously you're not going to get right now. I do wonder the scary scenario for me is that they explore trading both of those guys and it's not the baseball deal that that you want. And instead the big sexy move is extending them to is that is is that doing something big this maybe it is is it doing something big hundreds of millions of dollars (laughs) i think that is considered something big that is i uh, that's not the way this team should go about it. It mm-hmm. is not the time to be doing that right now. But I think that if they are of the opinion that they need to do something big, you're right. Obviously, that starts with exploring trades for both those guys. But I think there's a scenario where it, the market doesn't look what they want. They don't want to do the deal. They get cold feet mm-hmm. of the idea of trading a Vladdy and they go, all right, this is just as big. Uh, I, and. I, I, not I, the way I would do it, but that's my fear. I know there's a section of the fan base that looks at something like this, a report like this, and rolls our eyes like, ah, oh, we hear this every off season. Oh, uh, a section of the fan base that. might be me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I might, I so, might hear this every year. As well, well, let me talk to you then. Yeah, please look at me right in the eye. They've done lots of big things. <laughs> Signing George Springer was big. Yeah. Signing Hunjin Ryu. Pretty big. Those guys were near the top of mm-hmm. the free agent pool. Trading for Matt Chapman, that was big. Now, last offseason, I, I I wouldn't say that trading for Dalton Barshow was big. It was big-ish. Uh, it turned into big. Yeah. It big turned, bad. Yeah, it turned into it's big, like the end of big breaking bad. It's like the end of a season of prestige TV. It's like, oh, no, the new big bad is in town. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Well, and I wonder in that respect, like if we are talking about a massive – franchise transforming trade of one of your franchise pillars does the fact that you may have swung and missed uh, on sending a generational 20-year player out of town this past season make you a little gun shy on the Mm -hmm. old on the old trade block think I, I do, I, I wonder about that. Uh, it feels very different though, right? Like it feels like the body of work, the body of knowledge they have with both Bo and Vladdy is just so much more than than it was with Moreno. Like not that they were unaware of what he was as a player. Yeah, but he, was, he had not played a full season yeah, in Major League played Baseball. Like 30 games, I feel like he got yeah. into the tail end. Maybe not even that last year. So yeah, that's my, that'd be my fear is just the idea of them looking at a lot of options. I don't think this is going to be a team that sits on their hands in the offseason. To your point, they've gone out and done things and more times than not, the big thing has worked out well. I mean, George Springer returns are what they are to a certain extent, but I mean, Kevin Gosman, like, all we, yeah, you know, Kevin Gosman was big. Yeah, massive, massive. Like what he was able to do, Ryu, for the first year, really, really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, But everything. also like not even Understood. performance, right? No, no, like no. It was the uh, idea getting back changing, in bed with Scott Boris. Totally, the idea of changing your perception league-wide. So they have done things, but that's been, those things have been, t- for the most part, big, easy. Here's a check, take mm-hmm. it. Yeah. The Dalton Var show was big hard, and it was big bad. <laughs> big bad, 
It was. Um, is Cody Bellinger, is that a big, big signing? To to some some people go, oh, heard mm-hmm. of him, but I don't think that, like, restructures the franchise or yeah. anything like that. I just, here's what else is not big, but something I think they should do. Mm. The Cleveland Guardians DFA'd Cal Quantrill. Uh, he of Port Hope. Very surprising. Yeah. Like, not that, like, I understand he got to the point he's at, but just, like, if you would have gone back in a time machine 18 months ago and told 100%. yourself this was a possibility. This is a guy with an ERA in the threes, yeah. like, a season ago. He's uh, the son of Paul Quantrill. I was going to say, we love, we love a son he in was, this market. You sure would. He would fit right in on this Blue oh, Jays yeah. team. But... Uh, a guy that had a down year, no doubt. Like ERA in the fives, yeah. uh, although a lot of that injury related, he had shoulder issues, came back in September and had an ERA under three. Mm-hmm. So, And he's got two more years of team control. He's arbitration eligible, so he's going to make around six million bucks. The Guardian said, thanks, but no mm-hmm. thanks. The DFA'd him, so they have 10 days to either trade or release him. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to be talking trade with a bunch of different teams, but this guy, it does seem like the perfect guy for a team with money, with the financial clout to absorb six million yeah. bucks, what's six million bucks like for the Blue Jays? It, it feels like six million bucks should be money well spent on a guy who's a flyer. Granted, considering the season he just had, but the upside clearly there, and a guy that could go from hey Alec Manoa has the leg up to yeah. be the fifth starter to hey Alec Manoa, maybe you still have the leg up on a guy who was almost as bad as you in the overall last year. But you got to battle him. Like you, Cal Quantrill, he's done it before as well during the major leagues. In fact, you know, the last time you were good, Cal Quantrill also good. Yeah, interesting. So let's see you two go into a spring training where you got one rotation spot available. And does that make spring training interesting? Uh, to me, it would. To, uh, to me, Cal Quantrill, Canadian guy, like, and then. You know, you, you get the, the bonus of him being Canadian. Mm-hmm. It's it's not quite the, the Joey Votto of it all. But oh, honestly, I you were going to say it's not quite the Otani money that you're able to bring uh, in. I don't no. quite think so. But it's it's he's one of the most recognizable Canadian for figures sure. and loves to show up for Canada, the World Baseball Classic. I, I don't know. That makes all the sense in the world to me. It totally does. The Also, uh, just while you were talking about those two guys and who has the, the leg up, I think whoever it is, they're stepping on Bowden Francis, who's going, what did I, what did I do? <laughs> all I did he's was my involved. job. Yeah, no, he can I never too much pitching. That's what a great man once told me yeah. four minutes ago. And Cal Quantrill, you're not counting on to make 30 starts, although he did. He made 32 well, in the, 22. I think, I think the interesting thing with both of those guys, and I'm, I mean Manoa and Quantrill there, is that and maybe you feel differently about it, is it feels like they find it or they don't. Like, it feels like they the health thing, like I understand health aside for a pitcher is a, mm-hmm. a nuts thing to say, but it's like they either are the guy and they're in the conversation for not your fifth starter, but way higher than that in the pecking order. Yeah. Or they're a non-entity. It's kind of, it's kind of how I look at both of those players for, for the upcoming season. Honestly. Yeah. It's, that's like the idea point. of Alec Manoa just being a like totally fine four or five starter yeah. who just goes along and gives this team five innings and a chance. Yeah. Can you honestly picture that? I can't. Like, no, it does feel binary with him. Yeah, for sure. Him uh, more so. Like, I'm not going to pretend to know Quantrill as, as well, obviously. Not a high strikeout guy yeah, yeah. pitching to contact. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, again, was our greatest hope on the mound, the World Baseball Classic, and then at last check was getting pounded in by Team England. Well, the worst. That, that sung. The most harrowing thing ever for Canada at the World Baseball Classic was uh, not the last edition, but, like, the 2014 one, I think, and Ryan Dempster 
gave up the hardest contact of all time against the Dominican Republic. And then somehow uh, Dalton Var or no, not Dalton Varsho, Dalton Pompey, mm-hmm. I think ran 17 miles in that first inning, just tracking down fly balls. And he somehow got out of it alive without, without giving up a run. So that is still the most harrowing moment in uh, mm-hmm. Canadian baseball history. Shout out to Dalton Pompey. Who's what now? Uh, a officer. Hamilton officer. police officer. I haven't seen him around. No, <laughs> me neither. I'm in the hammer from time to time. Yeah, stuff I know. To do. What are you doing? Things that would result in you having a lot of inter, uh, uh, interactions with police officers? No, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, kind of sounds like yeah. Mr. Box Cutter. All right. Oh, oh, that's actually it. He, I'm waiting for him to be like, hey, I was listening to the fan the other day. Uh, I heard you shout two things. I heard you shout me out for my great center field defense at the World Baseball Classic, but also. I need at least one pair of those box cutters. You got too many in your house. Oh, and just to update people on our conversation about the get-in price for these Leaf games mm. in Sweden. I also have an update on something from earlier as okay. well. Okay, I was I was mistaken about uh, the get-in price for the uh, Friday game against Today the Red Wings. Today on Liars Who Lie, you. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually looking at the Senators game on Thursday. Like, I get it. You're not yeah. spending a million dollars to see the Ottawa like, Senators. I heard Alfie's going to be in the building. Yeah, not quite the same. No, uh, Friday's game against the Red Wings, the get-in price is $256. That being said, Sunday's get-in price for an <laughs> afternoon game, so 2 o'clock um, Swedish time against Great. the Minnesota Wild is 60 bucks. You can get in for 60 bucks on Sunday. And great. that gives you lots of time to fly to that's Sweden. A great, that's a great point. Like, if you're deciding now, like, this is a, revela- uh, this is a revelation to you that you, you didn't, never <laughs> even thought about the possibility you were going to go to a Leaf game, you were going to mortgage your house right. and go down to Scotiabank Arena this, this somebody, season. Somebody texted us thinking about that possibility, yeah. Yeah, you already set aside your money to do that, but you haven't, you haven't paid the price yet, and this... Uh, opportunity presents itself. Now you can you can strike while the iron's hot. A thousand bucks, it looks like return flight to Stockholm as well from uh, Toronto. Okay, um, yeah, I have no desire to hop on a plane anytime in the near future. But if that's you, uh, good luck. Just a couple other things to update from earlier in the show. A uh, grist for the mill. Very very vague definition according to Merriam-Webster. Something that can be used for a particular purpose is what that is. So that no, feels just too I, vague. That's... I I understand. Yeah, you, what you the understand the idiom. Makes. I don't even understand the idiom. It just feels like a thing people say. <laughs> okay. No, I want to know what yeah, grist is. I feel like the mill produces grist, but that doesn't make sense. Okay. And the other thing, uh, just a great text from a guy who I hope uh, has a doctor's degree or something along those lines. Uh, our boy Scott in Oshawa really updating us on the hip surgery. Uh, oh, my Patrick God. Kane had. This guy dove, dove into it. Most successful hip surgery in NHL ever. Ed Jovanovsky proved it was possible and lasted 37 games. A decade later of medical advancement, Nicholas Backstrom made it 47 games before taking a leave of absence from the Capitals earlier this month. So, best case scenario, Patrick Kane is a medical miracle. He plays 50 games in his life. That's 67 games left this season. That's how risky signing Patrick Kane is. Uh, I love that text. That guy dove into it there. Doesn't sound great, gotta say. Uh, you know who probably agrees? New York Rangers. Oh, yeah, yeah, who, I, yeah. Who I hope agrees? Brad Living. Yeah, I, I think he might also agree. I do uh, too. Uh, he needs to hit his next move. Needs to be a good one, I'd say, because okay, Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, they're mm. they're improving. Yeah, that's great. It's true. It's it's been a little rough go of it with Mr. John Klingberg and Ryan Reeves specifically. I think if Brad Living needs a win. If he can only do over one, which one? Because it's like hard, right? Because Klingberg getting rid of him helps you more mm-hmm. in the year. But the Reeves, uh, as we said, he's yeah, going to have a the, chance when he's 40 to break Mark Giordano's record. But yeah, like 
you can actually make him disappear, right? Like you can all but two hundred grand. Yeah. Yeah. Even this year, you're not going to do it at this point in the season. You can, you can. It's easier to make him disappear. And yeah, John Klingberg disappears at the conclusion of this season. But mm-hmm. in season, like right now, the it's, four million bucks would be nice. It's really tough. Yeah. It's really tough. Like Klingberg is the one for yeah. It's only a season, but in season, it really hampers you. And yeah, yes, inhibits you from, from doing some great. things. I hope I hope he's having a great time in Sweden, though. Yeah, we don't talk about him. Where was his media availability? Yesterday in yeah, Stockholm. Well, you think those guys want to line up to be like, <laughs> so the old health bomb, man. Eh? <laughs> I don't think that's what they wanted to talk to him about. They're like, uh, Will, the Wills, yeah. Nylander, Lagason. Yeah. Good stories. All right, time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. You think Blue Jays are under scrutiny this offseason? They mm. made the playoffs, okay? They, they won did. 89 games. It really doesn't feel like it when we discuss them, but they did, in fact, get in. You know who didn't? Oh. The New York Yankees. Oh, yeah, that's true. They spent more yeah. than the Blue Jays. And mm. they're the New York freaking Yankees, and somehow they're running it back. Like Brian Cashman, who's a Hall of Fame. Brian yeah. Cashman's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't. I got no qualms with Brian Cashman. But Aaron Boone, who's won a grand total of nothing is like unfireable apparently. I I told I don't know if I've given this opinion to you. I've shared it on these airways many times that I don't know what he did in his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's like he hit a he hit a uh, homer against the Red Sox that should keep him in good stead in that organization forever. Yeah. But it does feel like he did something and that is just like he is stuck in a groundhog day scenario where he will forever be complaining and looking at times like he's trying to get himself fired as manager of the Yankees and they'll go no, no, no. You're not going anywhere. It's the old Homer. Like, don't yeah. forget, you're here forever. forever. It really does feel that I way. I do with him. love how he is always the American League leader in ejections. I, I honestly, his, I love that. His ejection last year of getting behind and mimicking. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't have artists like that like we mm-hmm. used to. I miss Crazy Lou Pinella. Yeah. I miss it. We don't have artists like we used to. So good on him for that. Anyway, so it's it's a it's a time of much scrutiny in the New York Yankees organization. Brian Cashman had like a long profanity-filled screed against reporters who were nice. grilling him hard, right? Like, oh, we're such a tough media market here in Toronto. Yeah, have a look at what happens in New York City when you underperform uh, in a season like mm-hmm. the Yankees did after winning 100 games last year. Yeah. Okay. Two but, years ago now, but yeah. Yeah, sorry. Two years ago. People would be very confused. Like, 100 wins no. and they didn't get in? No, no, no. And Aaron Judge hitting 62 yep. home runs. That would be strange. Uh, Brian Cashman in that screed in his uh conversation about what to expect from John Carlos Stanton going forward he had last check in a Blue Jays game like unable to move um boy that was tough to watch I'm not going to tell you he's going to play every game next year because he's not (laughs) he's going to wind up getting hurt again more likely than not because it seems to be part of his game now you know who didn't like that I'm sure John Carlos Stanton, but we didn't hear directly from him. Mm. We heard directly from his agent who said, I think it's a good reminder for all free agents considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team, you got to be made a Teflon both mentally uh, mentally and physically because you can never let your guard down, even in the offseason. Now, he's the agent for the the big uh, Japanese pitching superstar who's coming over, who's mm. 25 years old. That's immediately where I was going to go. As soon as I heard, uh, it was like, it was weird. Foreign he was giving, yeah, it was like, he, sounded, he sounded like he was in the Senate. <laughs> Foreign and domestic. It was like, he's the third guy in that fight they had down there in Congress yesterday. Yeah. Do free agents need a reminder that New York is uh, is a place that is very sensitive and, and you, you are on high alert to be called out in the media? I don't know that 
people who are playing in North America and plying their trade here need that. But I do wonder if there's a perception of America as a whole is yeah. just that. And there's a reminder of, no, no, like Kansas City, little different. Mm-hmm. Go ask Shohei, L.A., little different. Hard to be that angry when it's sunny all the time and it's just nice. It's beautiful like San Diego. I can't imagine they ever get too ostracized about their baseball team because it's just, guess what? You go outside and it's beautiful all the time. So I, that is the immediate shot I hear there is that, yeah, if you're a marquee, like if he's the, if he's the agent, like he is for the marquee pitching or Japanese pitcher is going to come over the idea of, yeah, it's different in New York, like careful what you wish for here. I think there's something to that for sure. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't think the quote from Cashman is all that devastating either. It's like, yeah, that's what, what we, yeah, tell me the lie. Show he, me the lie. In he's there. decrepit and broken would yeah. have been a, a more direct thing that he could have been more upset about. But he, he doesn't didn't get to that. yell at you or point it out if you give some of the money back. Like if John Carlos Sands says like, okay, can you just be kinder to me? Here's half of my remaining salary. It's like, oh, you're the greatest humanitarian of the year. I'm sure Brian Cashman would be talking about John Carlos Stanton. God, I'd pay money to watch the union if that <laughs> happened. I don't know who's in charge there. It's Marty Walsh with the NHL. I don't know who's in charge with MLB, but they would not be happy. All right, when we come back Raptors Bucks return affair at last check the Raptors with zero offense were putting up a lot of offense against the Bucks before they went out on the road what do they have in store for the rematch tonight we'll talk to our pal Michael Grange next the fan morning show continues Ben Ennis Brent Gunning Sportsnet 590 the fan dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL the JD Bunkus podcast subscribe and download the show on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. It is Raptors, it is Bucks for the second time this season. Raptors seen a couple of teams already twice this season. They already saw the Sixers twice and both times on the back end of back end, uh, back end of back-to-backs, and now they're seeing the Bucks for the second time this season. Last time they saw them, uh, they stopped to skid. After a loss to the Portland Trailblazers, they went out on the road with a victory, hammering a team that was finding its legs defensively uh, no word as to OG Ananobi's availability tonight after injuring himself in a household accident. Michael Grange, Sportsnet's <laughs> own, joins us on the line right now. Do we know what, what happened? Act- yeah, what, what happened? happened OG's head like, cooking, like in the kitchen. Do we think folding scarves? I think folding scarves. Yeah. How do you cut yourself? <laughs> okay, maybe like it's bedazzled or something, and like yeah, on a, I don't know. Anyways. Um, to hit to the point, the actual basketball point of of, of uh, bringing OG Ananobi, um, this this Raptors team is only going to go as far as its defense takes it, and they figured it out defensively in the second half, and specifically the fourth quarter, and specifically like the final eight minutes of the fourth quarter where they held the Wizards to one point uh, on Monday. But how much of this team's defensive identity is tied up in one guy, and and that's a guy who's a candidate for Depot year for, over year, and that's OG Ananobi. Um, I think a lot. Uh, you know, I think that's one thing where we're, we've, it's, it's kind of like you've been aware of it, but, but just as it keeps hitting you in the face over and over again, you realize how special the defender OG Ananobi is. And it's just kind of, um, you know, it, it's kind of like an analogy of having, if you, if you've got like a multi-time gold glove center fielder, um, all of a sudden your right fielder and your left fielder are, are better, <laughs> right? Because, you know, yes. they, they just have so much less ground to cover. And, you know, it's, it's just, 
you know, there's analogies like that all through sports, right? Like if you're, you know, if you've got a, a you know, Anze Kopitar is your second line center, then all of a sudden you're, you know, it just builds your lineup. And I think, um, you know, and especially in a, in a potential matchup tonight against a guy like Giannis, there's just so few guys who can credibly match up with um, most of the best players in the league. I mean, when you I think of OG and Obi, like the only guys he really, you know, would be maybe a little bit out of, out of sorts with, or maybe like the lightning quick guards, you know, like the the. Um, you know the Dame Lillard's maybe a Fox, but, but yeah, like yeah, DeAndre Fox, like like there's like, but anyone else, like like he's one of the few guys I've seen get under Nikola Jokic's skin. You know, I'm not saying he's locked him up, hasn't mm-hmm. stopped him, but but you know, from Jokic's point of view, this guy's a little quicker than me. He's sure I'm a little bigger, but he's stronger. I can't move him off the spots the way I can everybody else. Even Joel Embiid, I've seen him do really good work with Joel Embiid multiple times. Um, and Giannis is kind of like almost his signature, right? It's, it's like, <laughs> you know, he's the only guy who are one of the very few guys who just has the ability to stand up to that, um, earthquake, you know, that, that, uh, that comes down the floor. And so, so I think it's, it's, you build your defense out from that and sure the Raptors have other, I think, good defenders, but nobody who just is able to kind of take away that number one option, and allow everyone else to kind of either roam and be a little more aggressive off, you know, the, the less dangerous players or um, stay home. And, and, you know, and then all of a sudden you have no options and, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. Obviously that, you know, it's not like the Raps are the best defensive team in the league, but you know, when you look at, uh, you know, their impact against star players going back multiple years now, they've usually been pretty good. And OG and the premier reason why. Yeah, for, for, for sure. And I love the way you mentioned it there, specifically the way he handles a guy like Jokic, right? Like we always had this conversation with peak of his powers, LeBron, of oh, who's the LeBron stopper or Kobe, right? The old Ruben Patterson, here's the Kobe stopper. It's like, no, it's usually the meme with PJ Tucker going, please stop. And and it's like, you you slow them down. You make it more difficult, but there is no stopping these guys. And yeah, as you mentioned, OG is, is had as much success anywhere. Uh, the thing I wonder about heading into tonight's game, and obviously, Obviously, the Raps would love to have OG available, but if he's not, it feels like that immediately falls to Scotty, the challenge of, of guarding Giannis. And obviously, you don't put that on one player, but in terms of the primary defender, it feels like it does go to Scotty. And I, I, I just wonder how you think he'll kind of handle that challenge. I mean, in the last matchup, we did see it in spurts, and he, it felt like he handled it pretty well. But man, that is just such a, a tough ask. And we often talk about players growing on the offensive side of things, but if he can, you know, remotely handle that challenge tonight, it feels like it'll be pretty illuminating of the strides he's making on that end of the floor too yeah no i think that's a good point and and um you know scotty is one of those guys he strikes me like he's definitely a rise to the occasion type personality you know like totally I think the, agree. the uh you know the 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 more interesting the challenge the more likely you're going to get his full attention and um certainly you know opportunity to go head to head with Giannis. and and if you look back at the first game there's a few moments where he took it to Giannis offensively, and 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 uh, you know I think he relishes that those kind of opportunities. And um, you know Giannis isn't like look. I'm not saying oh that's a good matchup for Scotty, <laughs> but but I mean you know Giannis isn't a guy who's like super quick, 
you know, side to side, let's say. And, and I would say if there's a weakness Scotty has as a defender, I don't think he's a great lateral mover um, in, in, in space. But I think what he does really well, is he's incredibly strong. Like, like, you know, so in that sense, I don't see Giannis overwhelming him like he might a lot of other guys. And, um, and he's a great playmaker. Like, he's got incredible – this is Scotty I'm talking about. I think he's got an amazing feel. And we're seeing that with uh, the steals, the blocks. Um, you know, we talk about playmaking offensively, right? And, and there are such a thing as, there is such a thing to me as, as defensive playmakers, guys who just recognize and disrupt and, you know, they, they take it beyond, you know, just discouraging a shot. They, they actually turn a defensive moment into an offensive one. And there's not many right now doing it better than Scotty Barnes. So, um, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I think it, you know, it doesn't, It'll be good. It'll be a good opportunity to see Scotty in that environment and take on that challenge. If it's right, and I think you probably are right. But uh, you know, that's that's a positive spin on a negative outcome if, if OG's not playing. Mm-hmm. And I would say I, I was at practice yesterday, and you know, and I've seen this before when he had his thumb problem and uh, a few years ago, and, and OG was you know doing a workout, but it was all with his left hand, like his mm-hmm. right hand didn't even leave his leave his pocket basically. So. Maybe they're just being extra careful and just giving it that extra day to heal, and it's not that serious. But, but uh, you know, I guess fingers crossed, almost literally. Yeah, that stinks because OG actually. Well, but, but not literally. Like yeah. maybe he should make sure his fingers are not crossed we at all. Fingers are, yeah. squinted. Yeah, fingers exactly, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like I said, that, you know, I wouldn't read too much into that because like if you're missing games because you got a cut finger, you know, like it literally is hour by hour, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the healing of that, and so you know, so. Clearly, yesterday, you don't want to screw around and, and bang it for no good reason, but but uh, we'll see. Yeah, they need his defense. They need his three-point shooting as well because it turns out Scotty Barnes not a 42% three-point shooter. He's two for his last 15 for three. Yeah, yeah so okay. that's it's not ideal. But, yeah, even if it, he's – so that brings him down to 34%, which would be a great improvement on his sub-30% shooting last season. Grange, I, I, I know, yeah, the, we, we focus so much – uh, on the half-court offense for, for this Raptors, Raptors team and, and the area that it needs to improve and the area that they struggle to improve on. How much of this is like a single-issue item for the Raptors in three-point shooting that that solves so much of it? Like, what is this? So average three-point shooting percentage the last couple of years has been around 36%. The Raptors now dropping to just over 33% this year. They are, what are they, 20, uh, 28th in the NBA in three-point shooting now. Like, what if this team was just, like, 15th? What if they were a 36% three-point shooting team? How much does that change everything? Well, I mean, you can do the math, right? <laughs> like, if they made one and a half more threes, that's what's that. That's four points, you know, that, yeah, but it's, that, it's, that it's, makes a big difference. But I hear what you're saying in terms of um, – uh, I think it's, a, like, reputations matter. Mm-hmm. And – um, you know, when you're game planning against specific teams and, you know, you, you know, to take the extreme examples, the Golden State Warriors or, um, you know, the Houston Rockets back in the James Harden days or, or, you know, these days, I guess it's, the uh, you know, Indiana Pacers. But, you know, when you have, when you're really doing game planning, you go, you know, you go to the top line items. So these guys get up a ton of threes and they make a ton of threes. We got to press them on the three point line. Well, okay. You know, then you're, from the first possession of the game, you know, the floor is going to be spread. And if you've got a, a Tyrese Halliburton or a Luka Doncic, somebody can really take advantage of that space. 
you know, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You know, you, there's more, there's more room in the lane to work with, and there's more distance to cover to help. That leaves more three-pointers, uh, leaves more room for your shooters on the perimeter. Uh, swing, swing. You should get a good look. You're going to make good, better, more threes on good looks. Um, the reverse is also true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> You're looking at the. Uh, <clears throat> I apologize. That's all right. That's, all right, we'll, we'll give you a second. Grab, hey, grab some water. Let me tell you. Yeah. We, no, get, up at, we, we get up at 4.15, 4.20 in yeah. the morning, so we get it, Grange. Yeah. No worries there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I apologize. That's all right. Uh, I apologize more importantly to all the people who had to listen. To <laughs> yeah, who cares about us? Um, yeah. Um, so, to, you know, the verse, the verse is also true, right? So, guaranteed, you know, Adrian Griffin, head coach of the Bucks for now, uh, is looking, you know, he understands the weaknesses of this team better than anybody. And so, it's, look, we're going to keep, you know, we're going to keep, you know, we're going to have at least five feet in the paint at all times. We're not overhelping to the perimeter. And if you can't, you know, as a result, it's harder to get to the paint. Uh, the defense doesn't have a sport to go to collapse. Uh, there's more turnovers on interior passes because there's tighter spaces, and it's all incremental, right? And if you're not able to punish that game plan, you're going to see it over and over again. And um, it, it just kind of, again, it just kind of continues. So, um, so yeah, I, I think spacing is the optimal is the is the ultimate prize offensively in the NBA right now, and the Raptors are a team that defensively you don't have to surrender space to. And it's funny. I mean, if you look at their, their game log, um, you know, yes, they have won a game when they made four threes, uh, which they did the other night. But, you know, occasionally, you know, about every other game, they actually pop off, right? And and they, they make a bunch of threes, and, and the percentages are really good. And I would argue that's probably because they get to see a lot of good looks. Yes. And, you know, like they, it's not like they're all incompetent shooters. It's just that there are a lot of league average shooters with the exception of maybe OG and LB. Um, and so some nights they're going to make those open looks, and, you know, a lot of nights they won't. So, um yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a feature, not a bug. And, you know, they need, you know, Gary Trent to be really good. They need OG Ananobi. That's why he's so critical. Like, he's arguably their most important player, if not their MVP, because he is a credible three-point threat. And they need a guy like Grady Dick to kind of, you know, you can kind of see the flashes of where, wow, he could really help this team. Um, but, you know, it's kind of unfair to expect him to be doing it now at age 19 and, you know, his 11th NBA game. Yeah, it, it certainly is, and uh, it, yeah, with with Grady, I mean, you can see it there, right? That's obviously the the role he the he ex, he's expected to fill eventually on this team. But nineteen, and the fact that he's even been a staple of the rotation the, the way he has, or to a certain extent, anyways, I think is already kind of a, a win uh, in in terms of his books. I did want to ask you about the Bucks uh, a little bit, and if there's a chance here that Damian Willard, Lillard is. Uh, careful what he wishes for in terms of this, because, you know, I, I understand that he's going to have more chance of success in Milwaukee than he, he ever would have in, in Portland. But if this blows up and I, I don't even mean blows up spectacularly, I just mean they don't win a title. They bow out maybe one round earlier than they'd want to. It's never going to be Giannis's fault there. And all of the faults that Damian Lillard has as a player, and I don't want to overstate them. He's a tremendous player, but Drew Holiday has those things in spades. Like, 
great defender, a willing facilitator, all of those things. Like, do you think there's a chance that this kind of blows up reputation wise for, for Lillard? And it's not maybe the, uh, the rosy picture he thought it was leaving Portland. Yeah. I think there's a real good chance of that. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, there's two things going on. Right. And, and one is exactly what you say is, 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 it's not like Dane Lillard was ever on any juggernauts in Portland. He was on some pretty good teams. Um, but, you know, they were always terrible defensively. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, let's, oh, there's a lot of reasons for that. But the primary reason for that is Dane Lillard is a very, very poor or weak defender. And he's at the point of attack, and he's the, the, the leader of your franchise, and he just doesn't either have it or doesn't bring it. And I think it just trickles down, and they've tried. They tried all kinds of different things. They would surround them with better defenders. They would, you know, they had different schemes in place, and you know, eventually they went off, moved off CJ McCollum because he was, you know, he's not, you know, he's not exactly a lockdown guy either. And you know, the problems persisted. And so, you know, when they added uh, Dame Lillard, you know, on paper that's supposed to help them offensively, and to the point where defensively you can kind of overcome that. And the Bucks have you know, enough, uh, you know, in theory, they, they were supposed to be stout, stout enough defensively elsewhere to cover up for that kind of stuff. But the, but the real issue is offensively, they haven't really exactly cooked either. Mm-hmm. And defensively, they've been terrible, and at least by their standard. And you're right. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, it wasn't like Dane Lillard was like forcing his way to Milwaukee, but he forced his way out of Portland and he's going to arrive in Milwaukee. They moved a really good player for him. It's going to be on the front office too, because uh, you know there there needed to be some kind of condition agreement. Wink that was okay. Well, if we trade Drew Holiday for for uh, Dame Lillard, you can't turn around and trade uh, Drew Holiday to <laughs> you know and he, you know, uh, an, East, uh, an Eastern Conference team, the and team especially now beat them. Yeah. The team that, no, yeah. <laughs> like you know, it's got to you know. Drew has to stay in the West. Should have been some kind of agreement. Okay, we'll give us another second round pick for that. Okay, um, but they didn't, and uh, that's gonna that's that's gonna be the real issue. Is Drew Holiday is gonna win the NBA championship, and uh, Giannis isn't, <laughs> and uh, you know, and and it's. it's you know, it's it's going to be really weird, and it's what's really been weird is watching them play together. You thought that that would be an instant chemistry type situation, it hasn't been. So yeah, I think, you know, I don't think it's going to ruin Dame's reputation, but you know, the little it's a little, like the little knocks he's taken the last couple of years in Portland. You know, it's it's not going to, you know, this isn't going to be a great end to his career if they end up flaming out in uh, in Milwaukee. I don't think James Harden's reputation can get any lower than it currently is, but they, they, they lost again. And it's like, okay, that was actually their most impressive loss of the James Harden era, right? Only by three, the the defending champs at altitude on the road. But it, it is getting ridiculous uh, with James Harden in L.A. with the Clippers. Six consecutive losses with him, seven consecutive overall. They're three and seven. I mean, does the possibility exist that this is – I? I mean, are they not a playoff team? Is that possible? Well, it's only possible because in the West, like, there's so many good teams. And, you know, we saw that last year, right, where, like, really good teams, and I think the Clippers were among them, had to kind of scrap to the last week of the season to get a play-in spot. So, yeah, it's very possible. Um, 
And what's really interesting is, you know, a lot of focus on James Harden, but, you know, really what you've got are two guys in, in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who you want to have the ball all the time and who are, you know, still when hell, you know, among the 10 best players in the league probably. And then two guys in Westbrook and Harden who have no idea what to do when they don't have the ball. <laughs> like, and, and frankly, don't seem to care that much. And, and Westbrook, you know, Westbrook's had moments where he's kind of learned to play off the ball, but you cannot play those four guys at once. And so, um, you know, they had kind of found a role for Westbrook where he was, you know, at least, uh, you know, a, a, a contributor, um, you know, kind of lifting the second unit, et cetera. But you cannot play him and Harden at the same time. There's just too many sub, you know, four, you know, minus defenders who offensively are standing around kind of clueless. And the only way to make Harden work, uh, you know, is, is you have to put the ball in his hands. And that means the ball's not in Kawhi Leonard's hands. That means it's not in Paul George's hands. And those three games you're referring, Paul George was the best player in the league that week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Ty Lue is a great coach. And, you know, like I, if anyone's can figure out, it, it's going to be him. But there are going to be some issues. And, uh, and I think if you saw what happened with Russell Westbrook and what well, we all saw in Los Angeles once they kind of de emphasized <laughs> him, and he's the obvious guy, like, you, it's just going to be sorry, Russ. You're going to have to suck this up because, you know, somebody's got to give, something's got to give, and it's going to be you. And uh, we'll see how he takes that. And, uh, yeah, I'd be, you know, I think it's completely feasible. That, and we haven't even talked about injuries, right? They all get yeah. hurt. So, oh, yes. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's very, very feasible that that team does not make the play That's That's exciting. And uh, Steve Ballmer opens up a new facility with a bunch of toilets, but with, like, a, a team that belongs in the toilet. Uh, anyways, uh, Grange, thanks as always, buddy. Enjoy, enjoy the game tonight. Okay, guys. Take care. Have a good one. You too. Michael Grange. That was our pleasure. I love that from Grange. I just wanted to sneak this in regarding NBA. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, like he does this probably once a week, but 28 points, seven steals, six boards, five assists, 10 of 16 from the floor. The reason I'm bringing it up, seven steals. Canadian record, most ever by a uh, Canadian. Shout out. Yeah, so he uh, he set that last Watching night. That game. that game was on Sportsnet. And just they, wanted to mention it there. They were flipping around. I mean, I didn't realize this was a part of the the playing tournament games on Fridays and mm-hmm. Tuesdays in November. Is that like they have the ability and in, in taking the, the TNT feed that yeah. they, they go around to all the playing tournament games? It was, was fun. Was very, very nice and good. Uh, Raptors play their first playing tournament game or it's our in season tournament game on Friday against the Celtics. Time now for the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Why don't we start with the Toronto Raptors at home against the Milwaukee Bucks? Again, Raptors won the first game in the season series, Mm -hmm. but they're underdogs at home. Four and a half point favorites are the Milwaukee Bucks. The total 226 and a half. It's hard to take the under considering how many points the Raptors scored in the first game of uh, this season series. Potentially no OG. Feels like that hurts the under. It does. It also hurts the Raptors cause here. Now, the Bucs do have a one and eight record against the spread. Uh, but uh, you know what? I'm betting yes. against the trend. Yes. Here. Take like, the Bucs to cover. Yeah. Let's not let's not be ridiculous here. If OG plays, great. But I don't think he's going to. 
and that only bodes better for the Bucs. So, yeah, definitely take the Bucs to cover. On Sportsnet 1 at 7.30 tonight, it is the Boston Celtics in Philadelphia to take on a 76ers team that has already beaten them once this season, but played yesterday. Mm. And as a result, the Celtics are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Maybe no Joel Embiid tonight. I, I like the Celtics to cover that spread tonight. Yeah, I do as well. Uh, Sixers without Kelly Oubre, who, like, I know he got hit by the car. I didn't realize it was as dangerous or as big an injury as it was. Broke the rib there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Uh, give me the Celtics uh, in that one as well. And on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 at 8.30 tonight, the Seattle Kraken into Edmonton to play the Oilers and Chris Knobloch, who's 1-0 in his Oilers career. This is a Kraken team the Oilers were capable of beating without Chris Knobloch. Oh, that's a great point. The winner. Yeah, so I, I think they, they have some good vibes against the Kraken. I like them at... Minus one and a half goals at plus 125. Yeah, I'm going to follow you there as well. Uh, the other thing I'd look at, although you got to pay the minus 128 over six and a half. Generally speaking, Oilers going to win. Take the over. That's correct. Uh, that was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. All right, when we come back, how much sleep did the Leafs get last night in Sweden? They weren't allowed to go they were to bed. <laughs> barred from their rooms. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll We'll get the latest from... A reporter over in Stockholm, Josh Cloak of The Athletic, is going to join us next as well. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.